It's just after five o'clock and you're tuned in to KZMU Community Radio on your dial here in Moab at 90.1 and 106.7 FM, streaming worldwide online at kzmu.org. It's This Week in Moab. I'm your host, Molly Marcello. Today, we are diving into noise, specifically this noise. As everyone in this little valley knows, That's the noise associated with ATVs and UTVs, the noise that has created an upswell in community demand for local leaders to do something, anything to curb the auditory impacts, drowning out neighborhoods and experiences in the backcountry. City and county leaders are right now attempting to do just that. Later in the program, we'll hear from Grand County Commissioner Kevin Walker. He considers UTV noise the most serious issue currently facing our community. Kevin has been working on several measures, like amending and enforcing the county's local noise ordinance. We'll hear more about those efforts from him live at 5.30. But first, we're going to a pre-recorded interview Back in October, KZMU aired an hour-and-a-half special produced by John Kovash and daughter Josie Kovash. The radio special is called Dispatch from the Undisputed Motorhead Capital of the West. It features nearly 20 interviews with locals experiencing negative impacts related to ATV and UTV noise. Since that special aired on KZMU, versions of the piece have also broadcast on community radio stations in Colorado and Utah Public Radio. Dispatch is now part of the conversation when it comes to depicting how many locals feel about these noise impacts. So we spoke with John and Josie about their motivation to put this special together, its reception, and get their thoughts as city and county leaders move forward on attempting to quiet down the town. I'm John Kovash, a 20-year Moab resident, 30-year public radio reporter, and uh, Josie interned her radio skills at uh, KOTO and Telluride, as did I. So I don't know what else to add to that. That's perfect. Josie, anything to add from your end? No, I mean, 15-year Moab resident, former music director of KZMU and uh, lover of good noise. Good noise. (laughs) Good noise. Yeah, we're here to talk about noise. So the piece, which is titled uh, Dispatch from the Undisputed Motorhead Capital of the West, it was produced and reported by you both. And it captures locals here kind of at their breaking point about quality of life issues, community health, the environment, all related to noise impacts of ATVs and UTVs in Moab. Can you tell us, you know, first off, how this project came about? Um, How did you know you wanted to tell this story in this way? Well, Sarah Melnikoff was the first person to suggest it. Uh, And in fact, she was supposed to be one of the... uh, people in uh, in the program and we had audio problems and unfortunately had to drop her segment but she uh, she is one of the local activists uh, that got us interested and so we we give uh, everybody knows Sarah she's just a community mainstay and uh, uh, and we give her all the props on getting us going how did you know who to reach out to? Like, you know, you ended up featuring a lot of locals. You know, how did that come about? Uh, it started out uh, word of mouth. 
you know, uh, just uh, one person would lead to the next person and they'd say, oh, you should really talk to so-and-so mm -hmm. also. Mm -hmm. And uh, we slowly compiled a list of people that we knew had strong feelings about it. Uh, yeah, and maybe had written like letters to the editor or um, already made public statements of a sort of their issues with this issue. And then we discovered Lucy Wallingford's secret phone directory, and that really got us going. <laughs> <laughs> and how long was the reporting process? How long did this take to put together, and how much time would you say you put into it? Oh, at least a month. Uh, yeah, I mean, props to my dad, because he did all of the interviews, uh, which was really the bulk of the project. Yeah, it, it was at least three weeks to do all the interviews because they were all in person and uh, and we wanted to do them uh, on location as much as we could mm -hmm. as, as becomes obvious when you listen to the program. And COVID safely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. We distanced and masked, but, and I used my shotgun microphone so I could uh, not be, not have to be close to them. And, and uh, you know, I wanted to uh, insert that uh, there was no audio trickery. When you listen and hear how loud the noise is, uh, we didn't like, mm -hmm. you know, that's not audio fakery. That's how loud it really was when we were standing out there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that was one of the most, you know, as you were telling me that this project was coming together and you said, you know, no noise has been added to these <laughs> interviews. This is actually what we captured. Uh, that was really striking to me. And that affected some of the interviews. I remember um, former Mayor Dave interview Bill Groff several times. It was interrupted because of UTV noise. Oh, and uh, Kevin was out there in the Dave's neighborhood. Right. And, but I thought having taken part in over the years in the spit and whittle club on the bench in front of Dave's, uh, it, you know, I mean, that brought a tear to my eye when he was like, yeah, he was remembering that history. And then you notice how we're the only people here now. Yeah, and, it's and, like a, a bygone era of the coffee clutch in front yeah, of Dave's corner market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, those little things that create community, like people hanging out in front of Dave's that are impacted by the noise at that corner. And you captured that. You just saw something that, that just baffles me. You've got two of them drove by with ear earmuffs on their phone as they're, as they're driving. Kind of crazy. And I've, you know, I've talked to a lot of people and said, as soon as I can, I'm leaving town. Kind of breaks my heart, you know? I mean, a lot of old time residents that, uh, that have lived here mostly through their working life and, and probably born and raised here, saying the same thing, you know? I mean, it's, it's, it's sad. It really is sad. It's a, it's a fabric of our community that's being torn apart. And I just hate to see it happen, but you know, I mean, we've got to collectively, as a community, come together and say, you know, we've got to demand some change, some kind of change. We're sitting at the corner market right now, and you know, it was kind of a place to gather and be and have a conversation and be, uh, you know, community. And uh, a lot of people, as you can see, you and I are the only people here. I want to talk about, you know, telling this story with audio. You know, I think I've, I've read a lot of letters over the years um, from city and county residents talking about noise issues with ATVs and many are compelling. Um, you know, many even said years ago that if 
this continues, the year thinking about moving from Moab. And, you know, even though that is, is striking, it's easy to just be like, okay, well, maybe that's just some, something they say to, to be dramatic. Um, but when you're hearing people in their own voice say, like Laurel, for instance, say, no, like we really are going to move from this community and you can hear the tone and the tenor of their voice. It's, it's just even more affecting. Um, can you talk about that? Um, what you found by telling this story uh, through the radio medium? Yeah, I think radio is the perfect medium for this story because, you know, I do, and I've written letters myself and I, I think, you know, Moabites tend to be really passionate about their letter writing. So it could be easy for uh, letter readers or government officials to be like, oh, there's probably a little bit of hyperbole going on because people feel really strongly about this issue. And with mm -hmm. radio, there, you know, there's no hyperbole. It's uh, exactly as it is. Um, just in terms of the noise. So that, so on one hand, it's perfect for really showcasing what people's neighborhoods sound like. And we were not only on Mill Creek Drive, we were on, um, you know, 100 North and 100 South. I mean, really residential neighborhoods, even if they are in the Moab core, they are still very residential neighborhoods. Um, and the noise is, is just, you know, ridiculously over the top. Um, and I know a lot of people who wrote to state legislators trying to convince them to give us the power to enact a curfew, a very weak curfew. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of people attach this radio story just to say, this is what it sounds like. If you're not exactly sure what it sounds like, this is what it sounds like. Um, and then as far as like telling individual people's stories, I also think it's very important. You know, it's kind of that thing we know where when things happen in text or email, it's really hard to tell what is behind it and it's uh, really open to interpretation and when you're hearing people especially people um, like Laurel with palpable heartbreak in their voice and yeah Laurel's um, segment really spoke to me too because as a similarly new mom who has a um, kind of very similar attachment and history with this community her sentiments uh, exactly um, echo my own uh, and probably a lot of people and you know and she's choking up a little bit and that's I think at the end of the day for me too there there's outrage and there's you know let's get this changed but at the end of the day I just feel really heartbroken and I think a lot of people feel really heartbroken and to hear that in their voices I think is just so powerful. So I've lived here for 20 years and um, and my partner and I are about to have a baby and we have decided to leave. Um, and it's, we're looking at other places and it's heartbreaking. I, I built a house here. I wanted to grow old and die here. I wanted to raise my kids here. Um, and I, I love this place and I feel like I've tried to do a lot to contribute to both the community and taking care of the land the whole time I've lived here and, you know, like tearing up talking about it, but it's been like the most important commitment of my adult life so far is Moab. Um, and I don't want to leave. But I also feel like what uh, over-tourism has created, and especially motorized emphasis tourism, but over-tourism in general, is just the disrespect and crowding of this landscape and turning it into what feels like a theme park where it's, you know, there are just so many people and so many of them aren't respectful. And, and a lot of that's on them, but a lot of it is also on how this place has been advertised mm -hmm. as a come here, have an adventure, do whatever you want, anything goes. And so I found that to be so frustrating that we have decided to leave. And part of me feels really guilty about that. It feels like I am failing this place by leaving. Mm -hmm. But I also, to a certain point, 
I can't function anymore as an advocate if I just spend all of my time being sad and angry. In Laurel's case in particular, and, and we received comment regarding her specifically that, you know, when she talked about how we can't, we're giving up, we're moving away. And, and I think it's depressing to a lot of people if that's the demographic that we are losing, yeah. you know, uh, just the people that are the most cherished, beloved people. Mm -hmm. uh, and who have really my, fought for this community yeah. and for this landscape for years, if not decades. Mm -hmm. And then this, it, this is sort of pushed them over the edge, perhaps. Yeah. And I'm feeling that too. I mean, you know, I we're zooming you from my home, which my father here helped me build over the last few years. Um, you know, it's, it's my first, you know, kind of home that is mine. And we're still putting the finishing touches on it. You know, we're still um, doing clay paints on the walls and we're like baby proofing the stairway with, <laughs> you know, upcycled rebar and things like that. Um, but there's already a part of me that knows if things don't change, I can't stay here. And this house is not gonna be my home. And it, that is just heartbreaking. So Dispatch aired on KZMU in October, but since then versions of the piece have aired on radio stations in Paonia, Colorado, Carbondale, Colorado, and then recently Utah Public Radio, which transmits across the state. Right. Um, you know, what are you hearing as more people um, hear the piece? Well, I know that uh, uh, Utah Public Radio said they've gotten very positive response and, in fact, uh, posted it on their website because of listener request. The same with the Colorado listeners. Pretty much, you know, if there was any word that got repeated a lot, it was the word, they, they called it a powerful piece. And I don't personally take credit for that. I think it was the power was in the people that we interviewed. They, they, they were powerful speakers and, and very intelligent, thoughtful speakers. And, and, and also in many cases, quite knowledgeable, you know, I mean, we, we a lot of, a lot of uh, scientists who work for public lands agencies and, and who really know their stuff so I think that's where the power came from. Yeah, though that was my dad's hunch because admittedly I was like, oh, we got to do this flashy, like this American Life piece that's like heavily edited and uh, kind of scripted. Uh, and his hunch was just to let people talk. And I thought nobody is going to listen to people just talk for an hour. Um, <laughs> but it's compelling radio. And that's what we have heard across the board. I think, you know, being aired at stations in Colorado, like at KVNF in, in Paonia, um, because Colorado may not have the same law on the books that Utah has um, mm -hmm. that makes communities unable to, you know, keep ATVs off the streets. But a lot of people in Colorado um, cherish Moab just as much as we do. It's their neighborhood too. And it's often where they, you know, come when their weather is still inclement. Um, and I think a lot of them are feeling that heartbreak of not necessarily wanting to come here anymore um, the same sense of loss we have. Same sense of mm -hmm. loss, you know, and then it's also um, kind of a cautionary tale because, you know, everywhere in the West is kind of dealing um, with, over you know, tourism. growth over tourism, specifically industrial scale tourism and um, motorized tourism and, and, and how to kind of manage that without losing, you know, why we all are here in the first place. 
You're reminding me that when KZMU aired Dispatch, we were figuring out where to put it in our program schedule. And we ended up doing a little bit of promotion, but not that much. But once we aired it at a time that usually doesn't have um, programming like this, um, all of a sudden we were getting, you know, calls and texts and people were tuning in. And we had one woman who said she was just driving around and around (laughs) her house and then drove up to the radio station because she didn't know where else to go. And she said, thank you so much for airing this. Like, I feel like, you know, I'm finally being heard. So there was some, there was something really powerful about that. Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, there might be criticism of this story as being one-sided because it really is just, um, you know, I mean, we didn't go around to the ATV rentals and kind of see what they had to say. And we didn't pursue like ATV user groups who are heavily lobbying um, on the other side of this issue. Um, But I think that there's a very real reason for that. And that is that a lot of people who live here were not feeling like they were heard. And in fact, something that you hear in the, in the story is, is the sense of like people who come here and people who advocate at the state level to um, keep motorized recreation at this kind of fever pitch, it's almost like they forget that people actually live here. And I think people that live in Moab are tired of being forgotten in that sense. Um, You know, this isn't just a theme park, this is a community. And that really needed to come out, you know, because even like looking on the UPR site and some of the previous more, you know, balanced stories about this issue, you know, quote people, um, without any sort of qualification of how good ATVs are for our economy and how this is just, you know, the natural trade-off of living, living in a resort community. And those things are just sort of stated almost like it's not disputed or that that couldn't be colored in an entirely different way. Mm-hmm. So I think it was really, really essential for, you know, the people who live here to be heard. And yeah, you, I think I, we have to point out that the, uh, the ATV lobby is very heavily funded, uh, very well organized, uh, and uh, you know they, uh, you know they, they get out there, they get their opinion out there in a million different ways. Not only in the media, but even in local government, yeah. where our county has a motorized trail committee. We don't have an anti-motorized trail committee. You know, uh, it's uh, it's kind of stacked against us. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that there's a growing there's a growing majority of locals here that they they're really worried about the, the, what seems like band-aid approaches not only band-aid approaches but you know I, I agree with the police chief and the sheriffs when they say you know we could spend a million bucks a year on more enforcement and we still couldn't guarantee we're going to make any difference uh and you know i i think you know, the easy majority of locals, they don't want to just have it quit getting worse. They want it to get better. Yeah. Uh, and it's a tall order to make it better at this point because it is so massively out of hand at this point. Where we are now, you know, the city and the county are sort of grappling with um, what their options are. And it's interesting to me that we're at a point where people are struggling to even define what is noisy. <laughs> as people who spent a lot of time with locals hearing what they had to say um, and putting this piece together, you know, what's on your mind as our local municipality kind of grapples with curbing noise impacts? What, what would you like to see? 
Well, uh, I mean, it's 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 uh, frustrating when they spend so much time uh, talking about mufflers and decibels because uh, you know the mufflers are only one of many many factors in why these machines are so loud. Even if we got everybody to have the niftiest muffler imaginable, uh, it's not going to make a difference that I think will satisfy most locals. Just for example, right now the county is going to be deciding whether to enforce, uh, you know, new muffler and quiet muffler laws and that kind of thing. And then, and they're saying, well, we'll have an exception if you trailer your vehicles into the backcountry. And, but, you know, uh, the vast majority of people that we talk to, almost every, everybody says, not only is my life a hellhole in town, but it's a hellhole when I go out in the backcountry. Right. Not to I, mention I, the backcountry is where all the wildlife is. Yeah. So, not a, you know, they're bugging the humans and the, the critters in the backcountry. And, and it's, uh, I think that bothers most people just as much as, as what's, what they're putting up with in their backyards. That that was something that, you know, I started considering more from listening to dispatch was uh, all the input from people saying, how does this affect um, our greater environment rather than just, you know, us being in our houses, mm -hmm. you know, and also being you know, sort of one of the people in government trying to fix this as, as far as the planning commission goes, you know, I, I look to both our city and county representatives as, as really wanting to fix this just as much as the locals. And, um, you know, and it's, it's not an easy answer. And there are a lot of uh, different considerations and people are trying to be, you know, fair to business owners and fair to property owners and, um, and I guess like fair in general. And, and also, you know, as soon as any sort of proposals have been coming up, I mean, lawsuits have already begun, you know, I mean, the county and city are both under almost like permanent uh, fear of, of getting sued for trying to do anything um, to have sanity in this, in this town. So, you know, I appreciate what our elected representatives uh, are up against. And it's frustrating because I think of like the term death, of, death by a thousand cuts, which I kind of think is how we got here. Um, and it's like, we need the reverse of that in a way, because at this point there isn't like one sweeping gesture that's going to fix it short of Utah miraculously saying, hey, we're not going to control what you do as a municipality anymore. And mm -hmm. so it's this like, you know, rebirth by a thousand band-aids or something. I don't know what it is, but um, that's that's really frustrating to have to work at such a kind of microscopic level and such a piecemeal step by step by step level to try to reverse the damage that's been done. But I do think that that's where we are right now. So each of these things have value, but there's frustrations, I think, with all of them. And the big, I think the biggest frustration and disconnect with the local governments is that they kind of dismiss out of hand the idea that we could actually prevail on just getting complete local control. And uh, that's that's been true in the past. And I know this is the behave state in Utah and all, but uh, I think we have, you know, uh, growing and strong arguments that can even prevail with Republican legislators who are pro-business, pro-tourism, you know, that this isn't helping business and tourism. This is hurting business and tourism. For every person that comes here 
with their ATV, there's many people who say, I'm not coming here anymore. It's not like we're, we're crying for more tourists. I mean, <laughs> right. And I mean, it's tricky in a state that, you know, was um, seemed more than happy to lose like the outdoor retailer convention over the Bears Ears dispute. You know, it, it seems like sometimes they put uh, sort of outdated principles uh, above even business common sense. And I can't necessarily uh, understand that or explain that. But yeah, ideally on the individual level, especially with state representatives, there is some in to say, hey, this is bad for business and that should be. I think happy. there's a growing consensus and maybe already a majority that feel like we should go for the gold and this is going to be a long-term fight and maybe not this, you know, it may be in not next year or the year after, but, but, but the long-term ultimate goal is to get, regain complete local control. Yeah. I think a lot of people have given up um, sort of the realist approach or the compromising approach because the stakes are so high. I mean, when you hear people talking about having to leave their home of 15 plus years, uh, clearly there's a lot at stake. Spring, the COVID spring, when it got so quiet, that's when I realized how noisy it had gotten in the last five years because suddenly it was quiet again on the corner of 99 North and 400 East where we live. And it was like heaven had returned and, and it was the place I wanted to be 15 years ago when I bought this house. I wanted to live in a place in a small town, in town, that was quiet. And then it started to slowly build up again. And I felt my whole, my whole uh, mental health and everything else, kind of the stress level and everything, was starting to increase as more ATVs came into town. I was getting really depressed. This piece has so aired crazy. not just on KZMU, like, like we've been saying, it's aired on other radio stations in our region. Um, there have been numerous articles at this point about this issue statewide um, and elsewhere. You know, it seems like Moab might be gaining a reputation for being a noisy, hectic place, which would yeah. be bad for business. Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, other places where you go, oh, we want to, you know, move to this place, but people say, oh, it's over there or it's done. And I think that's actually a lot of the language about Moab is that Moab is done, mm -hmm. um, which, uh, you know, I was, I was talking to a friend the other day who had kind of an out of town um, friend say that and it, it felt like such a gut punch, even though there was some agreement over that. And I felt the same thing. I heard that and I thought, oh, that really hurts. And also I'm, you know, feeling that uh, and somewhat in agreement. Um, and I think the other side of that is that Moab is now becoming the town that other towns really don't want to become. And we are the cautionary tale. And that used to be like the Tellurides and the Vales and the Aspens were like the bad words in Moab and now we're the bad word you know even in places like Monticello and Blanding you know traditionally sagebrush countries rebellion country uh it's a, one of the most common sentiments you'll ever hear is we don't want to become another Moab uh and so yeah it's uh I mean I for years I've had my old Telluride friends 
uh, we'll come to Canyonlands and Elephant Hill, but we don't come to Moab. And uh, people need, you know, I think people are realizing, you know, we overall don't feel the effects of that yet between the Mighty Five campaign and the fact that uh, all, all these people are trying to desperately escape the city during COVID. Uh, you know, we, we've done pretty good. We're, I mean, we're, nobody's hurting here, you know, overall, you know, the numbers came out for last year that, you know, we actually, you know, we're doing as well as anybody could ever expect. Yeah. And even when winter into this early spring, I mean, as far as tourist dollars go, like clearly we are not hurting, but I do think as far as um, our identity as both a community and as a world-class destination has suffered. Um, and I think that the reason that people are coming here is changing. And the people that used to come here for very respectful um, and kind of almost like sacred reasons, those people are not coming here anymore. Well, thank you so much, you two. I'm certainly hoping your radio piece, Dispatch, becomes a time capsule. And someday we can look back on it as a strange time in Moab. Um, you know, any, th- any, any last thoughts on the piece or, or hopes for the future? Um, I've been doing a lot of soul searching around this because I have been talking to a lot of friends who, you know, have either decided very clearly to leave Moab or um, are really grappling with that. And I've definitely realized I need to take some breaks from Moab because, you know, especially being homebound during a pandemic, it's like if your home is just surrounded by, you know, what sounds like 2000 lawnmowers all the time. Um, it just really gets to you. But I've really been putting on my Pollyanna hat that like time and progress are not necessarily linear and things are cyclical. And I do have this strong faith that this is not, um, you know, sort of the coffin that Moab has built for itself, but rather um, I guess like a cocoon, something that we might be reborn out of. I, I'm really hoping that this is more just a cycle of bad that is going to potentially go back into good. And I'm really holding faith for that. Um, and that's part- partially because I don't want to let go of this community. Uh, it's so important to me and I'm so willing to fight for it. But like a lot of people in the story, you know, you also need to have your sanity and your peace of mind. So balancing those i do have hope that um this isn't the end of moab as we know it as laurel said i just don't want to be sad and angry all exactly. the time anymore yeah. <laughs> all right that's john and josie kovash they produced a radio special called dispatch from the undisputed motorhead capital of the west that special is available at on kzmu.org you're listening to this week in moab i'm molly marcello So in that interview, um, you know, there was a little bit of talk about what city and county leaders um, are doing or can do to quiet down Moab. Um, There was a concerted effort this past legislative session um, appealing state lawmakers to allow Moab City to set a nighttime curfew for street legal ATVs and UTVs. As many listeners know, that legislation failed in the state Senate. So now the city and county are essentially taking out all of the tools in their proverbial toolbox that they have to curb noise impacts. Um, Joining us 
if I'm moving my microphone, dear listener, joining us uh, via the virtual realm um, is Kevin Walker. So, Kevin, you've been working closely on noise mitigation efforts in the county, and there is some coordination with the city as well. You know, you've called UTV noise the most serious issue currently facing our community. Can you tell us about that? Why do you consider it uh, the most serious well, um, you know, it prevents people from enjoying peace and quiet in their own homes. And I, I think that's just unacceptable. The effects are not distributed, you know, equally through the valley. I, I happen to live in a relatively quiet spot, though even I, you know, hear them from time to time. Right. But people right. along Mill Creek Drive, Cane Creek Drive, Spanish Valley Drive, to name just a few, um, things are really bad. When I was campaigning for office in this fall, that was definitely the issue that I heard the most about. And um, I, I really empathize with those people. You know, I, we, need, we need to solve it. And uh, fortunately, I, I think we have some ways that we can. Okay. So let's talk about that. Thanks for taking uh, the time. You know, in the absence of the state giving local governments control over whether or not UTVs are allowed on residential streets, the city and county kind of have to figure out other solutions to make things quieter. Um, it sounds like there are two pathways um, two approaches that um, are happening right now. Maybe first I could just say a little bit more about what you said in the intro about yeah, sure. you know, the state legislature, just just to put things in context. Sure. Um, you know, a lot of UTVs are a relatively new um, technology, and it's it's interesting to see how other Western states, um, you know, regulate them. And I think with maybe one exception, I think most Western states either don't allow them on streets at all, or they do allow them on streets, but there is a degree of local control. In other words, local communities either have to opt in or they have the option of opting out. Right. So no, no community is forced to um, accept okay. you know, these noisy vehicles on their streets you know, if, they, if they don't want it. Um, and Utah is a big exception to that. And, and of course, Moab, because we have a lot of popular trails, is getting the worst of that. And then you know, another crucial thing that's true in Moab is there just is no way to get to a trailhead without driving through a residential neighborhood. So, you know, UTVs on our streets means UTVs on our residential streets. It's not like a UTV you know, on the highway or mm-hmm. on some isolated. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, you know, the obvious way to fix that problem is to give us local control. Um, the state legislature is unwilling to do that there was an attempt to at least get a curfew, even that wouldn't pass. So um, so I'm, I'm very disappointed in the state legislature. I think those were very much the wrong decisions, but the good news is um, I think we do have, you know, some tools in our toolbox, as you said, mm-hmm. that could help solve the problem. Um, right. And two that I wanna highlight is one will be a local noise ordinance and the second would be using our land use code and business license authority to regulate rental UTVs. Okay, so um, the first the first pathway or avenue that you'd like to touch on, the noise ordinance pathway, um, you know, you've said that ticketing vehicles causing excessive noise sounds like it should be pretty simple. <laughs> you know, a vehicle's <laughs> making too much noise and you, they get a ticket, but uh, it is not that simple, not at all. Can you tell us, can you tell us why it's a little bit more complicated? Yeah, so it's... Um... So one, you know, me- measuring noise is like, you know, a, a decibel level. Um, it's not impossible, but it is more difficult than, say, measuring, you know, the length of, you know, 
a two by four or something like sure, that. I mean, sure. Pull out a tape measure. Um, so, and there are issues of background noise. Like if, you know, if it's very windy, you probably can't accurately measure noise because you've got too much wind going over the microphone and the re readings aren't going to be reliable. Um, there can be difficulties if vehicles are closely spaced together. Hmm. You know, it's hard to say what the sound level of a particular vehicle was be because you're, all, you're getting the sound of several vehicles at the same time. Sure. Um, so th those create difficulties, but most, most of the time I, I think it is doable. Um, I mean, decibel meters have been around for years. There are people who make their living making accurate sound measurements. I think the city and the county have you know, engaged consultants who know how to do that. So I, I think we can overcome that problem. Um, a second issue is uh, just what kind of noise do you want to measure? Um, and the two, the main two options are, um, I'll call it a pass-by test, where you put the microphone, say, 25 feet from the center of the road and just look at the peak decibel reading as the vehicle goes by. Mm -hmm. um, that tends to measure the noise that we care about, you know, the one that we're hearing with our ears. Um, it's a little bit harder to do because you just have, you know, you just have that moment when the vehicle goes by to get it right. Um, otherwise, you've missed your opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, the, the other option is um, what's often called a tailpipe test, where you would pull a vehicle over to the side of the road, have them rev their engine to a certain number of RPMs, put the microphone very close to the tailpipe, and measure a sound level there. Um, and that, that has the advantage of it being more controlled circumstances, and you, you know, you can, you, if you're Decibel meter has a glitch in it. You can just try again a moment later. Sure. Um, it has a disadvantage in, in that it's not really measuring exactly what we care about. And the, the noise the vehicle makes, you know, to our ears in our front yard, it does not correlate all that well with these tailpipe tests. It, co it correlates somewhat. So, okay. you know, it's certainly not a useless test. Okay. So these tests, you know, they, they have advantages and disadvantages. And I, um, I think the city, you know, the county, and also the city you know, would be wise to pursue both of them and just see what works best in the field. So, uh, you know, that does seem like, you know, the city and the county respectively have been having um, lots of meetings around um, mitigating noise impacts and what can be done. And it does seem like, you know, we're at a point where our local leaders are, are exploring a, a combination of, of factors. You know, as far as like the meat of beefing up local noise ordinances, you know, where are we with the county's uh, noise ordinance process? You know, I, I think drafts, you know, there is a draft ordinance that exists, and I expect that it will, you know, appear in a public meeting, you know, either the next county commission meeting or the one after that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, of course, we'll, we'll probably take some public comment um, and think about it a bit more and hopefully pass something very soon. Um, and the city, I'm guessing they're roughly the same thing. Um, and, and all, you know, the, um, you know, the noise issues, they, they span the, the city boundaries and a yeah. lot of the road, these vehicles drive along, you'll pass in and out of, you know, the incorporated and unincorporated parts of Moab. So I, I think we all agree that, I mean, we all at the city and county agree that we would love to end up with the same or very similar noise ordinances. On the other hand, we have our separate processes, which sure. you know, are proceeding on their own schedules. So, um, yeah, it's sure. a, a complicated process. And with the noise ordinance, does that sort of give the template for 
than enforcement of the of the noise ordinance like the, we have to have the ordinance and we have to have the rules on the books in order to be able to enforce them right um so enforcement mm-hmm. is this whole separate piece um can you talk a little bit about that yeah so it's um yeah, many, it's very easy to find examples of towns in Utah or towns throughout the country that have a noise ordinance on the books. Um, what's more difficult to find is a town um, that is in the habit of enforcing this noise ordinance. Um, and there are reasons for that. You know, one of them is kind of, you know, historical. It goes back to Ronald Reagan. The, mm. Many of these or, noise ordinances are patterned after things that were written by the EPA, you know, the Federal Environmental Protection Agency in the 1970s. Um, and there was a big push to try to address this problem of, of noise. Um, and the EPA, it, it were like model ordinances for local towns like Moab or counties like Grand County to, um, to enact. And then um, Reagan got elected president and he just eliminated that entire department. So all the, all the support, the federal support that communities had been getting for noise ordinances evaporated. And that took a lot of a lot of wind out of the sails for this this noise ordinance movement. Um, so yeah, yeah, enforcement presents some challenges, but again, I, I think they're not insurmountable challenges. Um, it's, uh, I mean, I I could talk a lot about technicalities, um, right? But, but I, I guess you know we we do. I, I think there is concern amongst from say the, both the county attorney and city attorney that they want to. Um, you know, if they issue citations, they want those to hold up in court. Right. And that's kind of where we've gotten into um, those conversations around um, setting up checkpoints versus, you know, pass by tests and, and things like that. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, do you expect the, there to be more clarity on, on that, that plan in, in the next few weeks? Yeah, no, I, I think it's a learning process. Um, so, and, you know, I think we'll, you know, we'll have to, I think we'll probably start with a checkpoint that's my understanding and mm-hmm. maybe a tailpipe test but i i think we probably also ought to give um enforcing a pass by noise test test a chance as well and I, I think our experience in the field um will you know it'll let us know if we need to make some tweaks to the law tweaks to the procedures for measuring but to me it, it all feels you know it's not easy well you know the easy thing to do would just get the state legislature to give us local control and then we just put a big sign up out of town, you know, no UTVs allowed allowed on our streets, and we'd be done. You know, that would that would be pretty easy, um, because the state legislature is not cooperating with us. We're going to have to work a little bit harder, but I think we'll end up in a similar place. The other thing that you've mentioned, and maybe another uh, avenue to explore, um, you said, you know, amending the land use code and business license authority um, to make sure that ATV or UTV rentals are not contributing to the problem. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so with the, uh, I mean, a, a question some people might ask, say, is, well, what prevents Moab from just passing a law saying no UTVs on our streets? And and the answer is, is that we are very clearly preempted by state law. You know, there's a state law saying they are allowed and we're not allowed to, to um, pass a law contrary to that. Um, that's not the case with regulating businesses. We, we have quite a bit of leeway and um, issuing business licenses and using the land use code, which allows, which says, you know, which pieces of land are suitable for which businesses. There, there are already lots of restrictions. And so adding some restrictions related to UTV rentals um, would be, you know, pretty routine from a legal point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, 
and um, and, and there's some ad additional federal preemption issues which would apply if we were doing a noise ordinance, but you know would not apply. Basically, we can set stri even stricter standards if we if they're for the rental places. Now, what, one comment I get a lot of time is, you know, why bother with the rentals? Because most of the UTVs that come here are privately owned, um, and I think that there's a sense in which that, that it actually isn't true. I just this morning. I got some preliminary figures from a survey that's being done at the Sam Platts um, toll booth, and they've been carefully counting mm -hmm. every vehicle that comes in the Sam Platts for the past few weeks. Mm -hmm. And um, based on this preliminary data, it looks like about 50% of the UTVs going into Sam Platts are either rental UTVs or UTVs on a commercial tour. So. That means that if you live on Mill Creek Drive, about half the UTVs passing by your house are rental UTVs. Um, and that, that will not come as a surprise to anyone who lives along Mill Creek Drive, um, because you can just tell as they pass by that quite a few of them are. Mm -hmm. uh, this is also consistent with estimates Sam Platt's team made last year. So the, the upshot of all that is, yes, the rental UTVs are a significant chunk of the problem, and it is definitely worth our while to try to regulate them. So. How should we regulate them? Right. Um, some ideas that are under consideration right now. Um, you know, the, the main idea that's being discussed is that if it, for rental UTVs, they should either be put on a trailer and taken to a trailhead, or they should be not much louder than a passenger car. So, you know, two options: either it's quiet, or it gets put on a trailer. Um, is that, that possible? <laughs> <laughs> is that, is it possible to make it, it the, you know, that it could be not much louder than a passenger car, you know? It, you know, I, I, every now and then I see one go by that is. I, I think there are UTVs that are marketed toward hunters mm -hmm. and, you know, obviously don't want to, you know, they would prefer to make less noise rather than more. Right. So, I, I yeah, I think it's ab absolutely possible. Um, you know, there's a, there are also questions about whether existing UTVs, can they be retrofitted with a special, you know, sure. I, I don't but, but the bottom line is, you know, the neighbor, you know, we need to make our residential streets, streets quiet. So I think we're just going to set that rule that we're not going to let UTV rentals contribute to neighborhood noise, residential neighborhood noise. And, you know, they can figure out how to be quiet. But, you know, the obvious option is just put things on a trailer, which many of the rental places already do. Mm -hmm. I mean, not everybody is going to a trail that's close to town. Often, you know, rent a UTV, put it on a trailer and take it up you know, north on Highway 191. Mm -hmm. So that that is a very practical option. Right now, you know, as the county kind of explores this pathway of um, amending the land use code and looking at the business license uh, authority, you know, how involved are um, UTV business owners in in the conversation as well? Um, some somewhat involved. I mean, there was a meeting convened a while ago, um, just you know, with business owners contributing ideas. You know, I've I've spoken to a few directly. So, I, I mean, I, I think we have, I mean, you know, we definitely want to listen and understand the concerns, and I think we've done a, done a good job with that. But, but it's, not, it's not a situation where we're, there's some kind of negotiation going on, and we're going to try and find a solution that all the business owners approve of and all the residents along the affected streets also approve of. But, you know, I, don't, I think there is no such solution. You know, any, any, anything that makes our streets quiet is going to impose some hardship on the business owners. And in my opinion, that's that's still the best solution, you know, because the, the alternative is to impose further hardship on people 
who live on Spanish Valley Drive and Mill Creek Drive and King Creek Road. And I, I don't think that's the way we want to go. Now, one other thing that I've, I've heard you talk about is messaging, um, you know, kind of getting uh, advertising out there once we have a, a, a beefed up noise ordinance in place. And once we do start enforcement about telling people that our noise ordinance is enforced, <laughs> um, can you talk about that, um, getting getting the word out um, with signage or, or elsewhere? Sure. Um, and I should say the, the things we've been talking about thus far are ideas that I think have been discussed widely right. in the county and the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, this idea of the mes- messaging, that's, that has not been, just, you know, that's kind of just my own crazy idea. <laughs> right. A pretty good one. <laughs> this is something and, you've, you've personally I, been talking I, about. I claim that I've spoken to a majority of the county commission and city council, and they all think this is a great idea. That okay. Those conversations haven't happened yet. Okay. Um, but you know, the, as, as you know, the county has a, a big budget for, for advertising. And in recent years, we've tried to focus that advertising in ways that, that mitigate tourism impacts, you know, that we want, you know, it's spreading a tread lightly type message and variations on that. You know, you, you might want to get Elaine Gisler on your show right. sometime to talk about what's been happening. And I, th- I think a message to UTV owners Telling them that it's not a good idea to ride, you know, ride their UTVs on a residential streets would fit very well into that. Um, so part of it could be just just re- reminding people that hey, you know, pe- people live 40 feet from where you're driving your very noisy UTV, and, and that's that's not good. And you might want to stick it on a trailer instead. Mm-hmm. There's that message, but there's also the message of the hey, you know, we just we gave out a bunch of citations for excessively noisy vehicles or vehicles violating our new low UTV speed limits, um, you know, that, that will spread some by word of mouth just organically, but I think we can enhance that spreading of the message by, um, you know, doing a bit, you know, some, some paid advertising ourselves. Sure. So we, we want to make sure that it, you know, almost everybody knows that, you know, 2021 is not going to be the same as 2020 as far as riding UTVs in the Moab area. Now, I also just wanted to touch on with you um, what this might mean um, for the county as far as, you know, cost. (laughs) You know, there's already a lot of staff time, a lot of energy spent on noise mitigation efforts. Um, uh, You know, this enforcement piece is going to, it looks like at least new equipment is going to be involved, law enforcement staff time. I understand that there might not be, you know, a number that you can throw out there, but, you know, does the county does the county commission expect to you know spend a good deal of um, money on on the solving this problem? Yeah, I, again, it's hard it's hard to make an estimate, but it <clears throat> it's already eaten up substantial staff time, mm-hmm. and I expect the enforcement in the future will also chew up a lot of money, which you know just makes me all the more disappointed that the state legislature wouldn't do the sensible thing and just let us put up a big sign outside of town, you know, no UTVs allowed on the streets. That would be much cheaper and easier. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're having to do it the hard way because the state legislature is acting unreasonably. Um, but it's, it's still worth it. I mean, I, I think, you know, this is our job as local government to try to preserve quality of life for our residents. And this is a, a very important part of that. Yeah, you know, if I can um, badly paraphrase something <laughs> that you've said, you know, you 
considered, you know, if county commissioners and city council members um, can't make things significantly quieter this year, then um, we will have failed to properly do our job. Um, do, you know, can you expand upon that? Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, I, I think this, this should be, you know, some quote job one. Uh-huh for us elected officials. Um, and, and, and I think every, every single, you know, all, all 12 of us on the county commission and city council realize that, um, that you know, there, in the past, I think there's sometimes been an, an attitude um, from some people that, oh my goodness, our hands are tied. You know, the state legislature won't let us do what we want to do. So we're just going to give up. And I think, no, you know, the state, our, the state legislature is not letting us do what I want to do. So we're going to have to go to plan B Mm-hmm. And Plan B is a lot harder and a lot more expensive, but I still still think Plan B will work. So. Okay. Um, anything else that you want to mention about uh, Plan B, <laughs> noise ordinance, uh, code, businesses, any anything at all? Yeah, well, I guess there are a couple of other um, components of what we can do locally. Um, sure. You know, one which is very visible to people is we back in October um, in a joint resolution, the city and county dropped speed limits for. UTVs, and at, at the time, that that was kind of controversial um, for a few reasons. One, people weren't sure whether it was going to work or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of debate about you know, continuously variable transmissions, and maybe the engine RPMs don't go down just because the speed goes down. It'll make just as much noise. So, so there were some predictions that it wasn't going to help, and then there was also the kind of reasonable prediction that you know if we've got a bunch of really slow UTVs on our streets, that makes driving take twice as long. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so now we are actually getting some experience, you know, the, the speed limit signs have gone up. Um, and I don't know that every single UTV is obeying them, but you know, we're going to try to work toward that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've heard mixed reports, I, I, but I, I would say the majority of people say that driving 15 miles an hour rather than 25 or 30 does make a significant difference in noise. Mm-hmm. Um, Sure. Uh, you know, I, I have heard anecdotally of both from, um, you know, people caught behind UTVs who don't appreciate that. And also UTV riders who are obeying the speed limit and then they get angry cars passing mm-hmm. the danger. So, you know, we need a way to deal with that. Um, I think maybe we should um, augment the law to say that if you're riding a UTV and you've got someone behind you, then you're obligated to pull over to the side of the road and let them pass. Um, I think that would you know, reduce the road road rage and make it more convenient for people. Okay. So that's, that's speed limits. Another important thing that was done in October is a moratorium on special events that involve UTVs, like Rally on the Rocks, for example. Um, so I, I, I definitely, you know, we have a lot of latitude in which special events we approve. In the past, I think it was just kind of first come, first served. You know, mm-hmm. but I think now with our mature tourist economy, we need to be a lot more discriminating in what events we allow here. And, and I think we should definitely, we should strongly favor events that don't disrupt our quality of life. So it's a quiet event that's not gonna cause traffic jams or you know, too much noise, any of that stuff. That's good. If, if it is gonna cause those things, then probably we don't need it. Mm-hmm. So. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. You know, where can people, you know, how can people get involved or participate in this process or, or follow along? Um, because, you know, especially with the noise ordinance that's going to go before the planning commission, it's going to go before the county commission. Um, you know, 
I, I feel like public opinion might be loud and clear in this scenario, but <laughs> just, just. Oh, no, it's, a, you know, in these long drawn out processes, you know, you'll have these bursts of people, right. the public feelings known, but, you know, most people, they have lives to live and exactly. they can't going up, you know, three times a month at some kind of county or city meeting. Mm -hmm. um, so every little bit helps there. Um, actually, as we speak, right this very moment, the Planning Commission is is reviewing and taking public comment on um, the land use code revisions right. related to UTVs. Um, and then in a couple of weeks, that'll go before the county. So writing an email to the county commission or city council is a great thing to do. Showing up and speaking at a meeting is very effective. And you might think, you know, by, by now we, we've heard all sides, but it, you know, it try, we, we elected officials, you know, we try really hard to not just be reacting to the person we've talked to most recently, but, um, you know, for some people that's hard. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's, it's good if, if there's kind of a steady, steady drumbeat that things are too loud and the county and the city need to do something about it. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for taking the time. Um, I appreciate you being here with us. Thanks for having me. Look. <laughs> oh, the the joy of the the Zoom lag. Yes, <laughs> thanks, Kevin. I <laughs> appreciate it. Um, we'll talk to you later. And uh, thank you, listeners, for uh, being here with us at this week in Moab. We're wrapping up. So thank you to my guests, Kevin Walker, um, Grand County Commissioner, and thank you to Josie and John for giving us uh, their thoughts on their program that they created. Um, called Dispatch from the Undisputed Motorhead Capital of the West. Um, that's available at kzmu.org. This entire show will be available at kzmu.org later this week by Friday. Um, you can actually subscribe um, to Public Affairs now. Um, if you head to Spotify or Apple Podcasts, search for Public Affairs on KZMU. And you'll get Art Talks, you'll get Great Wide Open, you'll get this program, which is This Week in Moab. Um, you'll get Radio Book Club. Um, there's just so much there for you to check out. And you'll never miss uh, a conversation on KZMU by uh, subscribing to the Public Affairs Podcast. All right, that's it for me. Um, thanks for being here. Um, Democracy Now! is on next. <laughs>